Welcome to Science Radio, a space where we chat about culture, belief, wellness, and current events, all through the lens of faith. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Science Radio. My name is Jesse, I'll be your host today, and I am joined by Jared Sakharoth. Jared, say hello. Hello. And Zanita Fletcher. Hello. So I am joined today by the editor-in-chief, Mr. Jared Sakharoth, and our assistant editor, both at the same time, and might I add, in the same room altogether. Wild. It's a very special time. Zanita is joining us in person. She has come down from the heights of the Gold Coast <laughs> to us here in Sydney. So it's, it's great to see you and talk to you in person. Thank you. I feel like a star being here. You should. <laughs> and Jared is, is here. As usual. Jared is... <laughs> Let's not, let's not discount Jared's I mean, contribution. We were very excited about Zanita, but Jared's always around. I'm excited to see Jared. Oh, thanks, Zanita. <laughs> I'm excited that we're all in the same room yeah, together awesome. at the same time. It's going to be fun. Because usually I'm at home and Jared's in the office or Jared and I are in the office or Jared's at home and I'm in the office and then Zanita's always in her home. It's actually very rare that all three of us are together in one place. So this is a special time. So today, what are we talking about? We, I should also quickly mention before we move along, (laughs) you may hear some noises here and there, and that will be my dog Banjo, who currently is scratching against the window because he wants to go and see something, but he is not going to get to do that. So if you hear any noises, yips, yaps, or barks, that might be our surprise fourth guest making the fourth musketeer we're the three musketeers he's d'artagnan <laughs> i love it if he could talk i'm sure he'd love it too <laughs> so today we are going to be talking all about the december issue of signs we are fast approaching the holiday season christmas some of us i will say have been in the christmas season for longer than others we had a co-worker at adventist media who put up his Christmas regalia on the 1st of November. (laughs) How do you guys feel about that? That's my first question. (laughs) Not that co-worker specifically, (laughs) but that, uh, that practice. I'm known as a little bit of a Grinch. I do like Christmas, but I'm not keen for it to happen all year round. (laughs) Yeah. Our house currently doesn't have any decorations or a Christmas tree. Not because... We're anti-Christmas, but we are preparing for a, a newborn baby. A relatively more important event. It's kind of important, but it's also been working really well this year as my excuse not to worry about Christmas. Mm. I, I do like Christmas, but it's like a lot of energy and effort. And I'm using the baby as an excuse to not cancel Christmas, but just to say, <laughs> just to, say to people, hey, we're not going to be part of things don't stress about that this year we've got other things we've got to sort out mm. so exciting great time yeah but i'm kind of like oh yeah i can just sidestep christmas a little bit this year yeah you're gonna have to time your next child with the next festive season i have been informed by my wife this is well and truly the last child ah uh, well if she has spoken then it's 
fairly concrete. She reminds yeah. me at least once a day of the procedure <laughs> I might need to have. <laughs> oh, no. The we horror. Might, Maybe might you can wait till next out. Christmas. Moving along to Zanita, how do you feel about Christmas? Uh, well, my family doesn't really celebrate Christmas. Like last year we all went to a sauna, which is quite like <laughs> a European thing to do. But we did that. And like usually we have a meal together, but we don't do much. Like we don't do gifts or anything. But I love the Christmas carols and the Christmas decorations. And I don't mind that we don't do it. It's actually kind of nice because I don't have to think about gifts. Look, <laughs> I will say it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, like, it's a lot. I'm part of, I'm, you know, I'm married and I have, so I have two families that I kind of go between my wife mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. family. And my brother is married and Karina's sister is married. And so there's all this extended family. And so every year the question that kind of nobody wants to ask, but everybody asks is, okay, are we celebrating with all of the family, with just some of the family? Is somebody going to take offense about the fact that they're not invited to this particular family gathering? And then what are we going to do for gifts? Is everybody going to get a gift? Are we going to do Secret Santa? This year, I won't say who, but a member of my family, in my immediate family, it suggested that we did Secret Santa for three people. So you would have three secret Santas. And that was met with some opposition, I will say. (laughs) And we managed to negotiate it down to two, which I think is still one too many, personally, because I feel like the whole idea of secret Santa is you just have one person and that's your responsibility and that's it. But no, this year I had to get a gift card for somebody and a gift card for somebody else which is fine. It's nice when people say, I want a gift card rather than like a big complicated present from somewhere that you have to go out of your way to get. Nevertheless, I'm not a fan of it either. But I'm stoked about Jesus's birth. Like the oh, baby Jesus. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. If it was just that, man, we'd have nothing to complain about, I feel. I do like the carols that Zanita mentioned, you know. Singing a good Christmas carol lifts the spirit. The, the, the season of seeing everyone having celebratory meals, especially catching up with family you haven't seen for a long time, given that most of my family, relatives, people, they're all interstate. So it is a good opportunity to, to see people. So the season itself, yeah, is good. But I do think there's a lot of pressure to get the right gifts, to get you know financial pressure. A lot of that can be really stressful when you're just trying to some years limp to the end of the year. You're just trying to get across the finish line, get everything lined up and sorted out. And then, yeah, some people have a lot of energy for decorating and singing and giving gifts to people that are specialized and thoughtful and all that. Sometimes I run out of steam by Christmas time, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I I definitely commiserate with that. I think the community aspect is, is wonderful. But yeah, the pressure can be a bit much, which brings us, I think, quite nicely to this issue of Science Magazine, the December issue. And there's a couple of articles in the magazine that address this very tension that so many of us go through. Jared, you have a sister. I do. <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for the newsflash. <laughs> Your sister wrote a great article. Her name is Brianna. She did. I hope she's well. Her name is, yes, I believe so, yes. Good, 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 good update. She wrote a great article about 
Christmas and the Christmas story and about, I suppose, some of the pitfalls and the traps that we fall into, which kind of makes us lose sight of that Christmas story. And I have to say, what page are we on? Number 18. 18. If you've got the magazine, flip over to page 18, everybody. It's like if you're in a sermon and the pastor says, all right, we're going to head to Matthew 28, which is a bit bit silly. But anyway, (laughs) there's a great image on that article about this woman who is just over it. She's got a bunch of bags in her hand. She's sitting on a couch in the middle of a shopping center. She's done. She's like, I'm over this whole thing. But so shout out to Narice, our wonderful graphic designer for that, for that image. But the article itself is, is quite funny. I definitely commiserated with some of her observations about like when the season approaches, it's, it's when shopping centers start putting up the holly and the wreaths and the all that sort of stuff, and the songs start appearing on the PA. For me, I think it's probably Mariah Carey that haunts me the most in this area. I don't know about careful. you guys. Don't mention. No. You might have to pay royalties. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be very careful. <laughs> I will utter the artist's name only. The, the, the Christmas story itself, I think, it's, I think it's a really cool article because it kind of takes us out of that materialistic consumer thing that we can all kind of identify with a little bit and and puts us into the first century which is i think a very far cry to what most of our experience is every any reflections or thoughts on on this article as we've been going back and forth with it over the past few months yeah i think i like what brianna's done in terms of telling the christmas story in a way that is easy to understand but as you said she's 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 taking it from our modern point of view, how we're experiencing Christmas. She's rewinding the clock. She's taking us back. And there's just, I guess, some facts and details that stand out to me. When you see the Christmas story depicted or often you don't think about some of the logistics. I noticed that the trip that Mary and Joseph made to arrive in Bethlehem before they had Jesus, etc., She's got here that it's 150 kilometers. So you don't sort of think about that when you're doing the thinking about the Christmas story. You're not mm. thinking about details like that. Oh, they just went up the road. Yeah. You know, <laughs> went from here to here. How long was that? No idea. Was it three months? Was it two days? Was it, you know, but 150 kilometers, I can start to visualize, you know, that's sort of past Newcastle from Sydney. And for you, I suppose, as a, as a dad, and, you know, your wife going through her second pregnancy, mm. I mean, do you think that she would be super keen to jump on the back of a donkey and take a little trip up to Newcastle from right your now, home? <laughs> in the lead up to Christmas? <laughs> I nope. mean, you know, Mary's would, about to pop. Yeah. Right, exactly. And my wife would not be keen for that. I'll read that sentence about the 50. This was not a quick trip, nor a celebratory baby moon. <laughs> I, I've never heard that phrase baby moon in the context of a Christmas, no. <laughs> right? <laughs> True. But you're thinking about it like today, yeah, we might travel if we're pregnant, we might do different things, but this was no holiday. This was no, hey, let's go over there because it'll be a nice place to have the baby. This was like a little bit grueling, a little bit tiring, a little bit difficult. And I just like, like that this story brings it alive. For me, it's like 
a bit realistic, a bit gritty, a bit like, okay, what really happened? And so, as you said, it has that purpose of taking me out of my current stresses and worries and, and going, oh, what's this story really telling me? What is it really about? What's the core of it? Yeah, her title is that you don't need a Christmas gift, basically. And I guess her, her landing point, not to give away too many spoilers, you should read the article, <laughs> but we've already been given an amazing gift at Christmas time. It, we're remembering the birth of Jesus. And, and it's not just that, okay, this baby came and everything was, was all good. Often we feel that pressure to like even give God gifts, mm. to impress God with our behavior or to, to be good people to earn his favor. The point I'm reading in this story is it's just, it was his presence. It's not, we don't need to be like the wise man and bring a gift to the king. That's one way we can interact with God, encounter God. But there were others involved in that story who's just, who were just there. The presence of God in their lives was able to bring peace and comfort and encouragement and all of those things. So I think for me, that's something that's really encouraging and something to look for at this time of year is that presence. You know, we talked about how we like having community having our family around, having connection with people. And I think, to me, that's what this story brings home. Yes, there's craziness. Yes, there's PA systems blaring Christmas carols and, and all the bells and whistles, I suppose, that come along with the Christmas season. But there's also, in some ways, the most important thing is presence, not presence, <laughs> the wrapped up ribbons, but <laughs> presence, your presence mm. with your family, others' presence with you and God's presence in everyone's life. Yeah. And even when we think of the, the three wise men who came, it wasn't just to come gifts. It was to come and see who the person was. And it, we think of the wise men often dressed in like, like kings, I suppose. But she talks about here, they were just wearing clothes that they'd worn all day and they too had traveled a long way. And so I guess it goes back to that presence and and even talking about babies, like I think these days when we have a baby, we do, we think of the baby moon and we like nest for weeks before and we make sure we have the perfect birth plan, but this kind of brings it home. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really great thing because I, I will admit that even for me, the temptation to get everything done around the Christmas season, whether it's to get that dish done that you're cooking for the family thing or, or the gifts or the logistics, the party, the get together, all that sort of stuff. Or, you know, even boxing day sales, like once Christmas is over, boom, we're going back straight into the consumerism. It's like consumerism, consumerism, consumerism. And then, oh, we'll do Christmas. And then bam, boxing day straight back into it. And then new year's Eve. And it's just like this blur of busyness an activity and it's so difficult to focus in and just be present with with the people around us in this time so i think it's a really great a really great reminder that the the christmas story is about the greatest gift that any of us can both receive and give to each other i think probably it would be a good time then zanita to go to your article because your article it's it's wasn't intended this way but i feel it's almost like a companion piece to this other article do you want to tell us a little bit about what you wrote and where this idea came from yeah so i suppose i was reflecting on 
the whole concept of gift giving. And I, I see a lot of people around me worrying about getting crisp before Christmas. And I, like I said before, my family doesn't really do gifts. So previously they would get us books when we were kids. And then we all got to the point where we we're like, we don't want any more books. Just don't give us any more gifts. Clearly <laughs> you didn't grow up in Jared's household. Is that <laughs> point achievable? <laughs> <laughs> If you're seeing my face, which you can't because we're on a podcast, I'm flabbergasted. (laughs) (laughs) If people would get me books, I would be happy. Well, it actually came full circle. Like a few years ago, we all just naturally started buying each other books. But then it also got to the point where we're like, we have too many to read now. I guess it's hard to fit books in a van. cut off. (laughs) I have a bookshelf. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not being mean. Zanita actually has a van, which she travels. She's not homeless. She yeah, does no, have, a, have home a home at the moment, but the van is cool. We like yeah. the van. Yeah, the van's good. But anyway, I was just reflecting on that and I was reflecting on all of the gifts that I'd received that were just junk or useless or not wanted. Or And I opened the article and I was asking people when I was writing the article, what's the worst gift you've ever received? Maybe you guys can... <laughs> answer to that but but I got all sorts of things I got like an unwanted pet I got mothballs I got all of those little soap things you get from hotels just put inside a bag I got I think probably the worst gift I've ever received is a lint roller it was a secret Santa from somebody who didn't know me at all so they must have looked at me and thought this guy (laughs) he must be gross let's get him something to help him clean the things around him It's always Secret Santas that are the worst gifts. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I got some years, some year I got something that was like, it would have been perfect for like a grandmother. Oh. (laughs) It was an inspirational quote or something on a plaque. A plaque? (laughs) Someone had been to, not a plaque, but you know, just a a board. I don't know how to describe it. It was, I was like, this is not going up in my house. My wife would never like to have that there on on that on a slight sorry tangent time slight tangent i find that christians are often the worst at giving those sorts of gifts because for like big moments like i'm a pastor and like when you're at a church or you're doing something spiritual and people like it's time for you to leave or something people often give you gifts and so usually it's like a plaque or a little board with a a bible verse on it or a quote or and it's nice and it's very (laughs) nice and it's very thoughtful and it's very sweet but it's also a little useless. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't have a cabinet in my house that displays all the nice inspirational quotes. I don't even really have anywhere that displays inspiration. You know, like when you go to that certain person's house and you go to the, the bathroom and then there's like a nice doily of Jer- Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you know, for I know yes. the plans I have for you. And it's like, that's very nice. But also... Why is it stuck to the back of the toilet door? <laughs> is that the most inspirational? Are you trying it's to inspire the only place in the house? <laughs> Do you need inspiration fit? when you go to the toilet? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Tangent over. That's fine. Well, I was going to say my nana, bless her heart, she used to take a lot of photos. And so come Christmas, you would get a photo album of somebody else. So say, for example, <laughs> say for example I, would, I would open the present wondering who I'm going to get this year and I would have a full album of photos of Jared or Jesse. <laughs> Could you give that to that person then? Well, often what we did is we would secretly exchange them afterwards so that we got our own, but we couldn't do it in front of her because she wanted us to think of each other throughout the year. Um, <laughs> What's the intention? Like, what, what do you know to what think her of each I, other? To think of each other, to have photos of each other, <laughs> to know what we had done in the past year. That's very... It'd be good yeah. to have a mixed decision. one, like... 
photo albums are good. That would be great. If it was a mixed mm. thing. But if it was just one person that's not yourself, <laughs> that's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like she's following this person around, just documenting their life throughout the year. Yeah. This is going to be a good one this year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the time it was very exciting. But anyway, I wrote this article. I was basically looking at the history of gifts and mm. um, I was just doing some research and then I came across St. Nicholas who we all think of like the pot-bellied, deep laugh Santa Claus who wears red and dresses very well. But we don't often think of where that came from and that was just adapted off this man named St. Nicholas who was born in Turkey and he his parents died when he was really young and then he inherited all this money and his parents had very strong like Christian values. So... When he got all this money, he instantly thought about Jesus's words to give to the poor and to serve the needy. And so he basically like dedicated his life to secretly helping people. He didn't want people to know about it. Eventually people found out, but it's where we get all these like things like the stockings because he once threw a dowry in someone's window like at night so that they wouldn't see him. And then now we have Christmas stockings. And over time, different Sneaking artists- into the house, giving people <laughs> secret stuff. <laughs> That's a Christmas tradition we should bring back. <laughs> what, be sneaking fun. into other people's houses. No, like, if you go to somebody's house, like in the lead up to Christmas, like take a gift with you. I'm not saying and sneak leave it into there it. secretly. Just leave it there secretly. <laughs> Wait till they find it. And they'll, they'll be like, what is this? It's like a little- Surprise, that would be little fun. surprise. Yeah, no. I like that. You heard it here first, folks. This is <laughs> going to be a thing. Yeah. But anyway, St. Nicholas is awesome and I would just suggest look him up or read the article because there's a, lot, there's a lot of really cool things that I found out about him and I was actually very inspired. I was like, wow, I want to be more like St. Nicholas. Like, who cares about Santa? Like, he's just been kind of adapted by different artists and now he's this completely different person who wasn't really – real mm. this i think this is the thing that i found the most inspiring is that when he eventually got found out he begged the person who discovered him not to tell anybody so he was actually legitimately not in the business of like doing it so that he could get some community brownie points or whatever like he was dedicated to doing this because of i guess he believed in it like mm in being generous and in, in helping other people anonymously, but it didn't quite work out because the word was spread and he was found out. Yeah. It wasn't like Santa who flies through the sky with bells and reindeers. <laughs> like, and he, he actually, it's quite interesting. He actually wasn't known for being like fat or white bearded. He, the only characteristics we know of him is that he had a crooked nose and wore very plain clothes. So mm. super humble guy. Like he obviously had all this money, but still didn't like, dress fanciful or but you do note that i don't know if you have any more on this but you do note that he was known for being strong and fiery what does that mean yeah well he was so he was a christian and he was super passionate about christianity and the bible and so he was basically fighting for bibles not to be burnt and so i guess in in his desire to keep bibles he was just fiery right fiery strong like because at this time, the emperor of Rome was a guy by the name of Diocletian, who, if you know your early church history or your Roman history, is pretty notorious for his persecution of Christians. I, I believe, I, I could be wrong, so somebody correct me if I am, but I believe Diocletian actually was a super aggressive persecutor, but then he got sick and then he asked the Christians to like pray for him. And I can't remember if he got better or if he died. I think he got better. And then I think he went back to persecuting them all the same. 
but I'm committed to not looking that up. That's the story that I'm going to tell. Let's roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't an easy time for your Christian, though. That's the point, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah, and even he went to prison, and even in prison, he was still giving people his share of food or, yeah, still trying to give them hope as well. So he's an awesome guy. I'm, I'm super inspired by him. I guess a question that comes to mind, Zanita, is like what can that look like for us today? Mm. You cover that a little bit in, in the article, sort of touch on in that direction, but like what, what could I do this week that could be a little bit like St. Nick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I started thinking of it in terms of obviously he was like not just getting people random gifts like – the story he's most well known for is he got these three girls dowries because their father couldn't afford it. And so he was paying attention to people's needs versus just like giving them anything. And I think that's something that we can do when we buy gifts is like not just buy all these random gifts and possessions that people probably aren't even going to do anything with, but actually stop and think about like, what does this person need? And I kind of touched on as an author, Gary Chapman, who talks about love languages. And so just even trying to think about different people's love languages like how you're going to get them something or give them something, whether it's a gift or an action or whatever, that will meet that need. And that will actually probably be more impactful and more valuable to them versus, I don't know, gift card. <laughs> <laughs> she looked Not directly at Jesse when she said that. Jesse's already told us he's got a couple of gift cards. Uh, I'd like to think of something else. But <laughs> no, point taken. Point blank. taken. <laughs> but I'm, the shame. I, like I will tell people I don't want a gift like don't worry about it just I'd rather have an experience like for my anniversary birthday weekend sort of I'll I'd prefer to go spend a night in a hotel somewhere and Mm. have a nice meal or do something I'd prefer the money spent on being together with people than getting a gift but my wife feels really bad about that because I think her love languages one of them is gifts and so she wants, she feels like she has to get me something. I'm like, please don't spend our money getting me something because I don't actually need it. I don't want it. And so, yeah, I think that's a really valid point is actually getting things that people need or can use or what they really want or something that can help them. I get vouchers or gift cards. It's nice, but it's also sometimes inconvenient to use or you forget and you don't buy the thing, you know, about it. So yeah, I, I think I think it's a really valid point to to help with needs. And then the other thing that I've noticed some people doing is instead of Adra is a great example of this. We we feature Adra projects quite often in in Science Magazine. Um, a lot of these sort of charities, you can buy a chicken for someone overseas, or mm. you know, and that will help them their family survive. It'll help even start small businesses. You know, some cash that helps people start their own craft business or a sewing machine or something and that like I, I'm not sure about giving it on behalf of someone else because that's sometimes a bit funny like you get <laughs> yeah by the way here's your gift unless I they've gave, asked for that unless they've some asked for do, that yeah. some people want that yeah. so oh by the way I gave you a sewing machine but it's in Africa and it's, <laughs> it's helping your family, you yeah. know, stuff. Well, that's a really nice thought but that might not be what that person needs mm. or, yeah. or wants at the time but yeah. I think that's that's a nice thing that we can do is to to serve needs of mm. people. Mm. Mm. And I mean, shameless spruiking time. You can definitely send a, a donation to Adra to help somebody in need, but you can also send a subscription of Science Magazine to somebody else in need mm. of signs. Mm. So 
that's definitely a great gift that you can give around this time if you if you want to. You don't even have to tell them that it's coming. Just make mm-hmm. it a, a surprise. Yeah, you don't have to just get signs for yourself. You can get it for somebody else, and it's a it's a wonderful thing. Back to back to Saint Nicholas, though. I I do really admire um, the the life of this of this man, and it's sad that we don't know much more about him. But it is great that we know as much as as we do. I I suppose as I've been thinking through this, it's it's the idea of seeing needs and being able to respond whether it's you know at christmas time or if it's not because i think the point about his life is he didn't just wait until like december 25th and then he gave out all the gifts this was a lifestyle that he lived by and i guess the thing that i've been challenged by is am i really seeing the need around me and you know there is supposed a, an argument that maybe we live more siloed lives these days. We drive to work and then we go home and we live in our comfortable houses. But we are all connected with people who have needs. You know, I have needs, you have needs, we all have needs. Am I attuned to being able to see the need in the people around me? And is my heart, I suppose, soft enough and, you know, pliable enough to be able to make that step from feeling sorry about them to actually doing something about it. I think that's what's challenged me most about his his story. Yeah. Yeah, I guess his piece was easy to write in the context of Christmas and since we're all buying people gifts, it's good to think about that. But you're right, it's like he was doing this on an everyday basis, meeting people's needs. And I think that's also something to kind of take away. Following Christmas is how can we be more, I guess, intentional about yeah, looking out for those things that people do need on a day-to-day basis, not just our friends and family for Christmas. Because it does feel like to a degree, birthdays, Christmas, th- these are social obligations, right? But mm-hmm. this was in no means a social obligation for Nicholas of Myra, I think is the town in, in Turkey. Turkey. Yes, now known as Demre. Demre? Yeah, I'm not Turkish. I probably don't know how to but this was this was an everyday experience for him he kind of pioneered this i suppose in a way in some senses it counterintuitive it feels and particularly i i feel like some people have more of a personality that leads them to be warm to be really attuned to people's needs and they see that very clearly and they act on that because that's part of just their dna in some ways for some of us it's a lot harder i find for myself it's probably something that I need because I, I, I believe it's important, right? But it's not necessarily something that comes that naturally to me. And so I think that's where, for me, my God, Jesus, my relationship with God helps me because I have to pray and, and, and see my character change to actually find it easier or to identify those opportunities. It's almost like putting different lenses or different glasses on mm. when I'm, because when I look at the world around me, I don't necessarily think in that way. How, is there a need? Can I fix it? Some people do, not necessarily myself. So for me to act and to live more that way, I find I need supernatural help sometimes. Mm. And so I think that's, for me personally, being a Christian, that's one thing that I see Christianity can give me or do for me is that I believe that God exists to 
help us to love him and to love others better. And one way I can love others better is to demonstrate this this generosity, this giving, self-giving, self-sacrificing attitude doesn't mean it comes naturally, right? So I make a choice that I want to be more like that, but sometimes I then need help to see my character modified. And I believe that's where Jesus comes in because as we live more like him, as we follow his example, and as we look at Christian heroes like St. Nick, you know, he was doing this, he was living this out and it can inspire us. I think it gives us some motivation to, mm. to live in such a way, you know, to follow the lead of those who have gone before us. And so for me, it's not necessarily easy. I need help. You know, I, I, I get very easily focused on my own needs. So how can I be better at this? And, and sometimes it's external to myself. Mm. This just, just reminded me of a, a struggle that I hear many people go through. I, I see many people go through, and that is the struggle to feel like I'm I'm all right with God, that I'm actually in a good place with God, and that looks very different. If you a Christian, that looks different to somebody who has you know no relationship, let's say, with God at all. And I heard it put really well by a pastor by the name of Andy Stanley, who talked about how the way that we show our devotion or our love for our heavenly father is by how we treat his kids, which is the people around us. And he uses this analogy of, you know, if you were to go up to him and, you know, flatter him and give, pay him all sorts of compliments and be really nice to him, but then turn around and abuse his kids, none of that flattery, none of that well wishes, none of that would mean anything at all because you treat my children well. I'm going to like you, you treat them badly, I'm not going to like you. And when I think about the, the people around us and the way that we, we treat each other and the way that we respond to each other, in, in many ways it's a reflection of our response to the divine and the way that God is reaching out to us to invite us to live as, you know, as his kids, as his children, which I know to some people might sound quite bizarre, but I think that's you know, the, the Christmas season invites us into that world of God reaching out to us and saying, here, I've given you the best gift, my son. And in response, all you have to do is have a relationship with him to respond to him and then to live in harmony, in generosity, in love and compassion with your fellow human beings. And it's better than that, Jesse, because Often when we think about that giving or that, that analogy that you, you put out of the father, you know, how, how do you treat the kids? It's like, well, actually, it's a weird thing that the Christmas story suggests is that instead of doing that from a place of power, giving out from a place of power, giving out from being king of the universe, Jesus actually became human. He was born to some parents who didn't have a lot of money to rub together. They were you know, working class, they had to flee for their lives at one point, so they were refugees. They had that experience of going through a lot of pain, and Jesus suffered a horrible, oppressive death, persecution, all of that. And so it's not just God asking us to do something to earn his rewards, to, you know, mm. earn his favor. 
but he experienced that self-giving in the incarnation, in being in the flesh as a human. So Jesus coming, that's the point of Christmas, like, right? Jesus experienced being human and did all that, gave of himself, healed, helped, served. And then he's not gone back to heaven and being like, right, to earn my favor, you know, you've got to be nice to my kids. You know, you've got to be nice to everyone. No, he's demonstrated that before. So he's walked that road before we have. And it seems like this St. Nick fellow got that. Mm-hmm. He understood that. He's like, that's who I'm serving. He gives me the example. He's done it already. So it's not from a place of often we give, when we talk about these concepts, we, we we talk about giving to someone who needs. We talk about giving to, to serve the needs. But often we do that from a place of power. We're doing it. I'm so much better. I have more. Therefore, I'm going to give what I have to you because you don't have what I have. And I feel good yeah, yeah. because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit proud. I'm yeah. like, you know, and he was doing it in secret, right? So he was really even, <laughs> it sounds like, committed to keeping it secret. Jesus did the same thing. He would heal people and he would say, don't tell anyone. I've done it for you. And so when we do it, often it's f- to feel good or for recognition. It's, not, it's from a place of power. When God did it, he became the lowest of the low. He, he, he went and humbled himself, not considering you know equality with God, as Paul tells us, something to be grasped, held on to. But Jesus becoming like a servant, becoming the lowest of the low, came down to our level and lived that out. Um, and so that's, to me, that's the example. That's, that's the, the, the core of what Christmas says, you know, I can do that too. If God could do it for me, I can do it for others. I guess then how can we not do it out of a place of power, but out of a place of like St. Nick, where it just becomes more natural and a little bit less selfish? Mm. Well, I've, I've heard it put like this, that what Jesus did, everything that he went through, the example that he set for us was the most authentic human experience that anybody has ever seen. In other words, what Jesus did, the way that he lived, the posture that he did everything with is the most authentic human posture, the most authentic human lived experience that any person can do. And so when it comes to, I mean, we've seen every example throughout history and even our own lives of the worst that humanity has to offer. But when you look at Jesus's life, it's like this is the best that humanity has to offer. Yes, Jesus is a profound mystery, fully God, fully human at the same time, but yet he is fully human. And so it's not that we can live up to that, and become exactly like Jesus right here, right now. But to model our lives after Jesus's example is to model our lives after the most authentic human experience that there can be. And I I think it comes back to what Jared was saying before, which is that we actually can't do this by ourselves. We need divine help. God was, Jesus was fully God, fully human. And we have a brother in Jesus who has gone before us, who has shown us what an authentically human life is in the best way. And he says, hey, I can help you. I can, I can step into the gap and be the thing that you need to get to become the person that I've called you to be. And that doesn't happen overnight. That's a, that's a lifetime experience. And just to answer your question as well, 
practically. Um, you, you asked, like, how can we not do that from a place of power? Doing it in secret. Yeah. Mm. Doing it all year round. So it's- not at events that are, you know, we do secret center, but we want the person to find out. Like we, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be no, in secret, me. but then <laughs> we want to know if they like our gift or not. And we yeah. want to know that they, we want them to know that we did it. Who the you know? thoughtful person was. That and, got them. and so I think, yeah, there's some practical things we can do to step away from that, to do it incognito at different times of year, not just birthday and Christmas and, and whatever, but just give for the sake of giving. Yeah. Um, and, and as well, I'd say, not just like physical gifts either. I mean, this goes beyond just a nice pair of socks. You know, this is this is about acts of service. This is about, I don't know, I'm just thinking like Gary Chapman's love languages now. Physical touch. Time. Physical touch. Secret physical touch. Probably not the best one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, time spent with people. You know, yeah. I, I called my Nana the other day. And it was just the best experience. I haven't talked to her for so long. And I thought, you know what? I need to talk to Nana. And mm. I did. And it was great. You know, stuff like that. That wasn't secret because she knew. But <laughs> And you ne- just told us all. And I did. So aren't I a good grandson? You have to do something else now. <laughs> I failed. But yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we can take upon your idea to hide gifts in people's homes. Never tell them. I think that's great. I think one other thing that is important in this conversation is to, to receive. Okay, so when I think of gift giving and, and from a place of power, often our acts of service and our time spent with people is also from a position of power. We like, I will spend time with you. I will go serve in the local soup kitchen and I'll give out some meals and I'll feel good about myself from that. But what can those people there give you? Are you open to receiving mm. any wisdom or having a conversation where you learn from them? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? If we're always giving from a position of self-sacrifice and we're not willing to receive anything, it's a one-way relationship. It only becomes a two-way relationship if you're willing to receive what someone has to give you. And sometimes it's hard from our high horses to accept what is being offered because we're like, oh, that Christmas gift is a bit rubbish. Yeah. That, oh, you drew me a finger painting like from a kid or, or, or something. Oh, that's not great. I had a conversation with a homeless man and he wanted to tell me such and such a thing. But what would he know? He's homeless. Like, do you know what I mean? If we're not willing to receive anything, we can't, we're always going to give from a position of power because we're not open to a, an exchange, a two-way relationship. We're only looking at what our relationship is doing in that space. It, it reminds me a little bit of my mother-in-law. I know that not everybody has the best does relationship. Does she listen to this podcast? I don't Is think it she safe does. To- <laughs> it's all right. I'm just, I'm just protecting <laughs> yeah, you, Jesse. No, thank you. Thank you. Does your wife listen to this podcast? She definitely think doesn't. clearly about what you're going to say. I don't think my wife has listened to a single podcast I've ever made. <laughs> oh, no. No. My mother-in-law is the most generous giving person probably i she is always catering feeding people mm-hmm. providing ex- like providing experiences she doesn't get us gifts usually but sh- when she gets money from you know an inheritance or something she'll often spend it and it, you know we're talking about serious money on like hiring a house or renting a house for a weekend so that we can go, all go away as a family and have a wonderful time that sort of thing. She was up at five o'clock in the morning on this past Sunday, catering, getting food ready for my nephew's first birthday party. 
that's just the sort of person she is. And so whenever she comes over to my house, she often is in the kitchen and she has dinner ready for me as I'm coming home from work. And I really, really appreciate it. But it also makes me feel really guilty sometimes because she's so generous and I feel like, you know, I can't give back. And so whenever I have an opportunity to do something as simple as like actually cook a meal for her, like I'll take that opportunity every single time because it's just so rewarding to be able to give to somebody who is who is so generous. And it that definitely and she definitely inspires me to to be more generous and, and to give more. And it's it's helpful, and I'm not yeah whether she can or not receive that. Because some does. people like to control their own kitchen or their own, yeah. you know, they give, give, yeah. give, but they don't like getting something she's, back. She's so, always very, very grateful, yeah. even if it's the smallest thing, yeah. That's which lovely. is nice. Yeah. So if you haven't already, I would definitely encourage you to pick up the December issue of Science Magazine. We have those articles in there, plus many, many more wonderful ones. It makes a great gift and it's just a great read. But I also would like to take this opportunity as we are sort of coming to the end of our time together to just chat through with my two homies here the, the year that's been, a little bit of a reflection on that and then maybe a little bit of a reflection on the year that is to come. So I'm going to kind of throw this out into the ether and hope somebody picks it up. As you thought about this year and all the highs and lows, and there have certainly been many highs and lows for us and many highs and lows, I'm sure, for those lovely people listening at home. What has your reflections been on, on the year that has been Well, my year has been great. I joined the science team this year, which I wasn't expecting. And it has been a delight. I've really loved working with science. And it's just been a very, I guess, rewarding job. I feel super blessed. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun to be on the team. Even though I work from distance, I've still really enjoyed it. And coming, coming to the city, the big smoke is really fun every now and then. But yeah, I guess that's what I'd have to say. In terms of work, I don't know. We've done some cool things. I feel like I've kind of tested, my, tested a lot of different areas, I suppose. But yeah, it's been exciting. Yeah, I feel like it's been a year for signs of transition and growth. We started the year, obviously, as Zanita mentioned, without her on the team. Jesse, you started in January, so coming up to one year for you as well. And so I guess I, I was with signs just a tad before that, but still getting my head around everything. And I think we've done, yeah, I, I'm proud of the things we've done this year. I think we've put out some really good magazines some really good podcasts, just in general, the ministry content that we've been producing has been really good. I've written a couple of things. I've really enjoyed the experience of writing this year and learned, I guess, about myself and signs in the process of writing those and, and, and of our audience as well. Um, learned a lot about our audience this year. So it's good to continue to grow and to, to transition. I think I'm really excited for next year, given that, you know, we've all got a few runs under our belt now. We're ready to continue to flourish and to grow. I think it's good that the transition, I'm hoping the transition season is coming to an end <laughs> this mm. year has been, it's taken a while for people to get their heads around things and we've, we've taken some time, but I feel like we've set ourselves up with a good launch pad for next year. So I'm excited to see and to grow to bigger and better things in 2023. 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good reflection. This has been a year of transitions. It's yeah, been a year of transitions for Zanita and myself from going from very different lines of work into this, which and it's been very new for both of us. But I, I do think that hopefully next year can be a year where we get better, do more cool stuff, plumb some new depths, scale new heights, more <laughs> ridiculous metaphors. Jared has just got his hand in his head. He's he can't believe the brilliance I'm of my <laughs> my my verbose vernacular. No, I, I do think that this year has been a, a bit of a struggle in some ways. You know, we've we've had to adjust to working with all new people. You've had to adjust with working with all new people. You know, I've had to adjust to working with a with a brand new team and working on a team again. As a pastor, sometimes you feel like a bit of a lone wolf and I've had to learn to, you know, go from playing tennis to, you know, AFL. Is that the right? Is that the right analogy for you, Jared? Probably a slightly smaller team, basketball maybe. There's a lot of cool things that we are looking at doing in in the new year. I think that we will be we'll be sharing some of those with you all soon. But we're excited for what the new year has for us. But I also think in this time in this season. We are all pretty excited for a little bit of a break and a little bit of a, a, a pause to reflect and to wind down and to get ourselves in the headspace we need to be to be able to attack 2023 and all that it has to throw at us. So I want to just take the opportunity, guys. Zanita, Jared, thank you for being wonderful co-workers and soldiers in the battle that we call this magazine which is the wrong analogy for a magazine <laughs> this has been a great year i've really enjoyed working with with the two of you and and the rest of the team of course narice who's our wonderful graphic designer and the rest of the wonderful people who help make signs of the times magazine and this podcast a a, a great success and a, a valuable resource for people to read and to listen to and all that good stuff so thank you Likewise, thank you. Thank you. It's an honour to be trained by both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Sensei stack yes. over here. Yes, grasshopper. <laughs> In the way of words. <laughs> wax on, wax off. <laughs> Mr Miyagi. Oh, really goodness. though. <laughs> I will take it in the spirit. I will receive it in the Thanks. spirit it's been given. It's, yeah, it's great. And, and thank you to Jesse at this point. Thank you to everyone who's listening, still yeah. stuck with us for this episode, but also for the year, the readers, the subscribers, the donors, without them, this would all be impossible. So very, very grateful each and every day for their, their support, their engagement and their responses. Yeah, 100%. Well, folks, we hope that you have a wonderful Christmas break, whether you are celebrating, whether you're not celebrating, whether you're celebrating some other kind of holiday, we hope that it is blessed and we hope that it is fulfilling. We hope that you eat some good food and that you spend some time with some people that you love and that you'll go into the next year with much excitement and anticipation and, and refreshed. refreshed and refreshed. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So we will see you again, uh, lovely people, in 2023. Have a great Ooh. one and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. This episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. 
a print subscription is $28 a year or just $14 for a digital subscription. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. This is an Adventist Media Podcast. 